Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Elkanen, Dennis Dick with you this morning. Uh, what's going on? Uh, not much, really. Just just historic moves in the oil market and the overnight futures market. So that's really going to be the story of the day. Obviously, it's just the implications of the uh, disastrous weekend we had on the uh, geopolitical front, uh, the OPEC front this uh, over the weekend. So we'll talk about oil. Talk about the futures, which are halted, uh, and sort of where that leads us here uh, today. Uh, our guest will be uh, Joe Prococo. He is the co-founder and co-CEO of uh, Titan, and we're going to ask him how uh, his investing strategies hold up in times uh, of extreme volatility, volatility like we're getting right now. Uh, Joel, I guess, how was your weekend first before we start? Horrible, horrible. I, uh, I started working on my taxes, and okay. I am missing a bunch of documents, a bunch of information, okay. and I'm going to be spending a lot of time there going through my how, – how was your weekend? Uh, mine was actually pretty good. Um, I had a little uh, – uh, I, I was surprised. It was, it was an anniversary surprise. Where uh, uh, Ariel took me, took us to, we had a hotel and it, nice. was, it was a little anniversary surprise. It was a scavenger hunt involved. It was great, honestly. It nice. Was, All yeah. right. Dennis, how was your weekend? Let's get you involved here. <laughs> Stressful. <laughs> after, at least after uh, I saw where, you know, at midday, you could see that oil, you knew oil was going to implode as soon as they didn't get the OPEC deal. And then initiate, in the initial, it was looking like it was going to look open down 25%. And you're like, holy cow. The market is going to implode on this, and obviously we see the futures open, and you know that's that's that. I mean, now we're halt, we're limit down, and you're trying to figure out well, where this this do the stocks want to go. So you had to really wait till 4 a.m. to figure out where we really want to be when spy opens because it's not limit down. So now you got to feel for it. We're six and a half percent is where we're down. So. I mean, it, uh, other than, you know, the chaos in the markets, the weekend was okay. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we're trading down limit, folks, uh, 145 handles. Uh, that's 4.89%. Uh, lower open, that was a high of the session. Easily took out the, uh, the low from uh, a week ago Friday at 28.53.75. We did get one little pop above that, but that was stuffed out. So, how low we open, I don't know. Uh, next limits on the downside are 27.63 and 25.85 uh, based on the limits. Uh, I guess the ultimate limit would be 20%, and so that would be uh, four times where we're trading now. So 150 times four, you know, you guys can do the math on that one. 
Um, so go over the limits once again. Obviously, we're limit down here right now. We know SPY is not, so we can get a feel for where the market really is. But we're going to reopen at 930, correct? Yeah, we start to get indications at uh, 925. Okay. And then we'll reopen, unless we obviously rally significantly on the SPY before that, because then we're, st we're, not, we're not halted. We're just limit down. We can't trade lower than this. So they're piled on the offer and we can't trade lower. So after 930, because we only see this happen, these limit downs. I mean, the last time we had a limit down overnight, I believe, was when Trump got elected. And we know we turned around and rallied all the way back up. Maybe there's been one, one in there, another one that I can't think of, but they don't happen very often. I was even going and trying to quickly check the rules myself because it's been a long time since we've seen this. So, you know, just to see the reopenings and how they work. So after we reopen at 930, then what? Uh, then, uh, 7% limit 2764. Um, and that will hold us up to 325. And how long does that hold for them? That will hold to 325 Eastern time. So if we drop just down to 7%, the futures will halt again until, yes. or, or there'll be a limit down until 325. Right. 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 At least that's according to what the CME website, you know, is looking right. at. Um, and right. I was trying to read it myself again. The nice thing is we have SPY. So once you're past 4 a.m., you don't need the futures anymore. You can look at SPY. And as soon as we reopen to 4 a.m., you've got a liquid market. SPY right now, so forget about the futures. SPY right now is down 6.68%. It's got a five-cent market. So it is tight. It's actually very tight considering the volatility. So your high-frequency traders have priced this in down 6.7%. DIA, if you want to look at that, is down 6.42%. So there's no guesswork. We know where the market is right now. QQQ is down 6.36%, just slightly less than the overall market. Uh, and the bloodbath is really in the oils. And this is where we've got to go to now. So just for people who weren't paying attention or didn't hear over the weekend, give us the details, Mr. Israel, on why oil collapsed here overnight. So two big things that happened. First, uh, Russia said, we're not going to comply with your oil cut, Saudi Arabia. We're not going to comply with more cuts. We don't want to cut our suppliers. We want to uh, flood the market with oil. So that, that's what they said. Saudi Arabia says, okay, we hear you. Uh, we don't agree with you, so we're going to uh, lower uh, oil prices. And we're going we're gonna to start a price war, essentially, here. So we have uh, Russia refusing to comply with cuts, and Saudi Arabia starting a price war, on the other hand. And it was sort of a one-two punch. And that one-two punch really, really did a number here on crude. So if you bring up the crude overnight, where are we now here? I'm looking at USO. Where are we now on the crude futures, Joel? And give us the overnight range. Show us the chart. Yeah. Uh, you can show the uh, the daily on this one, Spencer. I told them only monthly charge today. Uh, opened up at 3287 uh, If you thought you were at the psychological $30 level, that did hold. And then you got to bounce up to 3368 And then, as you would say, Dennis Kaplui, we went down to 2734 and then we rallied back over $30, currently down $9.32. And well, I'll just say $9.40 here, trading under $32, uh, just under $32 at $31.90. But 840,000 share or contracts have traded. Uh, and just for y'all think they were coming off the limit here, um, unless someone wants to buy. 12,350 contracts. We're down 7% here now. So I think we can just forget about the futures altogether. They're not going to be helpful here this morning because they're limit down and not trading. 
obviously, you know, nobody's going up there, there and buying when we're down five percent. You can oh. buy spider down six point nine. So spider just is now six point nine eight percent. So it's all about spy now. Yep. 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 So here and when go. you're overnight, you have no other choice. Like from 6 p.m. till 4 a.m., we have no other vehicles. It's the futures we can look at. So we can only guess. You know, when we're limited down, where are we going to open? Once 4 a.m. came, we knew. SPY reopens down roughly 6, 6.2%. It's continued to leak. But, you know, as we go down 7, you're telling me the futures are going to haul again. So basically, the futures are going to be useless today if that's the case. We're down 7% right now on SPY. Even we're near the session lows. Bring up the chart on SPY. We might as well do a quick technical on it. Um, because, and then we'll go back to oil here again. We not open be today? Bouncing. I mean, if we open down 7% and then we're locked 7.08% now, 7.1%. Stocks might not trade today then. If we just. What? What are you talking about? Well, if we open up, well, I mean, they, I guess they can continue to trade the stocks. I don't know what the. The future, just forget a few. I know you, you love futures. They're useless once spies open. They're always useless once spies open because spy is a tighter market, first of all. I, I dropped my futures quotes five years ago. I can get the overnights for free. But once you have spy, you got like a two, three cent market. Why would you ever trade futures when you can trade spy? It's a tighter market. So well, spy so stocks is going to go. So right. don't worry about the futures. If they're going to halt, they want to halt them. They want to have stupid criterion in there for halting them. Fine, let them have it. We're not going to be trading them, obviously. And they're losing a lot of volume because of that. We've got SPY. SPY is open. We're down 7.11%. There's no guessing where the market's going to open. It is down 7.15% here right now. We don't know where it's going to open at 930, but I can tell you right now, the market is down 7.15%. All right. So they'll halt them again. They'll halt futures. They're not going to halt SPY. So I'm just, that's what I'm saying. The SPY, right. So futures will open and then go down to the next limit down and we halt it again if we're under seven. If it lifts, Above seven, then the futures will start trading again. So it looks like it's going to be a mess with the futures quotes today just because of this limit down, all the limit downs that are potentially going to happen here. But lots, you can still trade the stocks. You can still trade the SPY down 7.2% here now, imploding as we drops. Then it's breaking up there for a second. But the one thing I wanted to go. Okay. I mean, You've got so many catalysts here. So let's just talk overall market. You have, first of all, we know the COVID thing was the start of it all. It was the needle that popped the bubble. So, and the COVID thing is still completely unknown. We don't know where that's going. That's been my concern for the markets the whole time. Now you have a new crisis, an oil crisis. And you have oil stocks that are probably not going to make it, a lot of these companies. I mean, look at OXY this morning. You want to see an implosion. OXY is down 32% here in the pre-market after losing, what, 15% on Friday? And we're talking about a stock that was $40 10 sessions ago. It's 17 and a half. The dividend yield on OXY is 18%. That Anadarko merger that they did is potentially going to bring the whole company down. They are in trouble. Maybe we would have been down without it, but they're in trouble here. Like if you're looking, this is an 18% dividend. They got some problems here. And so that's the, so we have the COVID. We have the oil crisis. Now let's go to the third problem. And great, I think I just lost internet. Can you hear me? Yep, we got you. Okay, in any regard here, we have a third problem is that now you gotta worry about the credit worthiness of a lot of these oil companies and that's gonna slam the banks. So TLT is exploding, not helping the banks whatsoever. Now you have oil on top of the banks. So the banks are imploding here this morning. So now you gotta almost worry could we potentially, could all of these, you know, issues bring us into another financial crisis? It's possible, not probable maybe at this point in time, but possible. 
So during the financial crisis, for those who haven't been trading or, you know, or just started in the last decade, during the financial crisis, I believe we fell 71% from top to bottom. We're down, what, 20% here now? So when you start analyzing, I mean, it, it's, it's not obscene to think that we could go lower. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's because I'm, I'm like I've lost connection oh, on this one computer here. So. Okay, no, no, we 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 hear you I loud. Think I'm still up though, but my yeah. one computer has lost internet for some reason. Can you hear so. us? I hear you guys too. Oh. I'm honest. That's that computer is up and running. This computer here is down, so I don't know why I lost internet here. Maybe again, they don't like what I'm saying. They're trying to shut me down. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding with you. Um, no, no, no. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say, Dennis. And for once, if you guys have been listening to the show for long, I, I'm kind of at a loss for words here. Uh, it's very uh, hard to see where we're going here. But um, so you know, people what, are asking, what are you buying? People are asking me that. What am I buying? I haven't covered my, I haven't sold my puts yet. Oh, so, you know, until I sell my, the first thing I'm going to do once I start to feel like we stop going down is sell my puts. I mean, there's no sense me going and just buying stocks when I haven't even sold my puts yet. The first thing I might as well do is sell my puts or at least cover the spy and hedge against them. I've got the 333 puts. We know I'd put that on when I was saying to everyone a month ago that insurance was cheap. Well, the insurance is paying huge. So I'm eventually I am going to lift some of that hedge, but I, what would just, make you lift it? I don't know. Like, get some, get a vaccine, get some something going on with COVID. That, that's the major issue, and they're gonna, it's gonna, crude is gonna be the conversation today. But the major issue, still overlooking these markets, is the virus. We don't know where this is going. We know we have a lot more cases in North America than you know, 500 or wherever it at is, because the testing hasn't been there. Once they start testing more, we're obviously gonna see more cases coming. Does that spook the market farther? That's a question too. And, you know, and, you know, it's scary thoughts. You know, you have two people in Florida that show up dead, they test them and they find out, Oh, they had COVID. So now you start doing, you know, and going backwards from that. And I, I read one, you know, paper from somebody or, or from, from a doctor saying, when you start doing the math backwards for every person you find dead, he's saying that there's three to 400 cases out there because it takes two to three weeks to get you. So, you know, every time you find somebody that's just showed up dead and they weren't on, you know, on the radar, that means there's 400 other cases out there for that person. So he's basically saying there's a minimum of 800 cases right in that Florida area where those two people died. But we know, like, I, I would imagine there's tens of thousands of cases throughout the U.S. Now, what does it mean? You know, and people keep saying I'm fear mongering, you know, I've been taking heat for this. I'm not, I'm just explaining the details and why, you know, I have been, I've actually short the market. I've been, you know, we know that. You know, and I'm and I'm I'm long in my long-term portfolio, but this is why I sold out a lot of my long-term stocks, which I never do, because I was worried about this stuff and how the market might interpret it. Yes, you know, the fatality rate might end up being well less than one percent. We hope that's going to be the case. That doesn't mean the whole market is not going to get spooked. I mean, they're talking about playing games without fans, sporting events. They're closing this. They're closing that. You could easily see how in two to three weeks, the U.S. economy could look a lot like Wuhan did. And that, and you know, obviously, it's starting to come back online now. But that's a scary thought. What do you guys think? I mean, that yeah, that's the direction we're heading in. Uh, it, 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 at this point, you're right. All that matters, all that matters, is when will we get a vaccine? That's it. That, that's that's the out. That's the only. That's what's going to take us out of here. Is that oh. like news that the vaccine's coming? That's what's going to take us out of here. Because people can keep saying, oh, yes, the flu killed 22,000 people already this year. But that is a, a deceiving st statement. 
because COVID's just starting here. We're just getting it started. If the COVID spreads like they're saying it could spread, you're talking about a death rate right now at that World Health Organization. So this is 3.4%. So it's 34 times the seasonal flu. So don't just tell me it's the flu. And even if it ends up at 1%, which we hope it's going to end up lower because maybe there's undetermined cases out there. So you got the numerator, denominator, nobody knows the numbers. You don't really know until the thing's done. But even if it's 1%, that's still 10 times more deadly than the normal seasonal flu. So it's a scary, scary thing. I'm scared. And People are saying, why are you know, talking about this? I'm personally scared, not only for my finances because they're getting hit. I'm scared for my, I've got two asthmatic kids. My boy struggles when he gets the normal flu. If he was to get this one, he could really struggle with it. So I, they say it's not affecting kids, but it's still very scary. I mean, if I didn't have kids, maybe I wouldn't be scared from a personal level, you know, because you know, I'm 40 years old, I'm fairly healthy. But when you got two asthmatic kids, both of my kids have asthma, and you think a respiratory virus is coming around, that's scary. There's a lot of people with asthma. out there. There's a lot of people with health complications. There's a lot of older people out there. It's scary. There's reason the market is scared. And the oil is a lot of the implosion kicker. today, but it's still COVID too. Yeah, it's just a kicker. It just uh, precipitated everything. Uh, you know, people are talking. Uh, you know, what the Fed, what the Fed's going to do, and everything. Well, and there's a meeting. There's a meeting in nine or, or ten days, right? Um, yeah, they might. Uh, that you would have to think they might do something before that, but they they only have so far to. They can only go down so far. Right? I wanted to go talk to Fed. I honestly, I probably, I think they're going to do an emergency cut today. I would not be the least bit surprised if they came out and did an emergency cut here today. Is it going to help? I don't think so. It didn't. The last one didn't help. So, but the Fed's going to use all their bullets right now. Right now, just imagine Trump. Like what the heat he's putting right now on the call, seeing the market down what it is, down seven percent in one day. He's all about the markets. The Fed's been all about protecting the markets. I would imagine you're going to see the Fed saying something here even today. And does that give us a nice temporary lift? Maybe. But does it solve any of the problems? Does it solve oil problems? Does it solve the COVID problems? No. This started with health, and now it's an oil problem. And it could eventually move into a financial problem, too, for the banks. The banks, let's go look at those charts and those stocks here today. There's good reason that they're down, because you got to start thinking, like, Bank America down 11% here. Deutsche Bank, DB. DB, which made, was running in January and February, making new highs, almost you know, up 70, 80% of the year, is now making new all-time lows here this morning. So all of a sudden, you look at Europe, and you're like, holy crap, this happened overnight, but they got problems too. There's so many problems here, guys, guys and girls. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. very, very scary. And the, the amount of fear just gets ratcheted up because, uh, you know, I guess you could say – that there was some fear about the implications, the economic implications of the coronavirus. And there was obviously a lot of companies coming out and warning and saying, yes, uh, we're not going to hit our, our numbers for the quarter, et cetera, et cetera. But we haven't really seen any, uh, any, any follow through. And this, this, over, this weekend, uh, this OPEC thing over the weekend is the first real uh, sign that things are starting to unravel on the uh, global economic front, right? So now it's not a question. It seems like it's not a question of, of, of if or, 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 or when. It's just a question of how bad because the, the, uh, the unraveling seems to have started. Uh, and, and Dennis, as you mentioned, all these banks are exposed to oil. There, and, uh, you know, that was one of the reasons for the... There's a bad loans out there. 
there are some bad loans out there and we know how interconnected all the, the global economies are and all the different sectors are, all the different industries are, everything is connected. So we, yeah. we have precedents for this too, Spencer. Go back to your charts in 2016 when oil got down to those lows. Yeah. Remember when oil Joel got down to what, $26 yep. a barrel? Look at what the banks were doing. The banks were hurting. Bank America had went down and got down to 12 bucks. JP Morgan, you know, it was one of the best ones and it held up pretty well, but City was imploding, you know, like not imploding, but significantly down, like from 55 to like 35. And the worries was that there's some bad oil loans out here. And, you know, there's obviously still people, you know, that remember the financial crisis. I remember it well, and it got really ugly. And, you know, did we solve anything during the financial crisis? No, we dug the hole deeper and we added band-aids to it. You know, we bailed out the banks to keep the financial system afloat. Nothing got fixed, though. Dodd-Frank was supposed to come and fix stuff. And, yeah, delevered a little bit. But these things are all still levered up. I mean, Dodd-Frank started as a four-page, you know, memo there and ended up, by the time the lawyers were done with it, it was 1,200 pages and nobody could understand it. So, I mean, footnotes and read the footnotes and get out of this and get out of that. And by the end of the day, is it really didn't do much, in my opinion. So it helped, but... You've still got a lot of issues there with levered up banks. So this is on the table now. This was not on the table before, but it's back on the table. And that's why you're seeing the banks really take it hard here this morning. Not only because the TLT is up, and this is not helping the banks either. Obviously, when you see, you know, the rates doing what they're doing, because when you think, you know, they're, they're boring short, lending long, it's getting squeezed here again. I mean, TLT, let, let's look at this thing. It's trading 178 here this morning. It's up another $11. This is an incredible move for bonds, historic move for bonds, really. So I guess if you're diversified, the bonds are helping your portfolio. But bonds, wow. bonds are doing their job. They are. Flight, flight into safety. Yeah, good call on the uh, at 2605. Uh, that was your low uh, in January, financial crisis in oil. And uh, that's where we, uh, we turned around and... Uh, we also had, we talked around that time, uh, the Jamie Dimon buy uh, at that time when he right. bought a bunch of, Jamie Dimon bunch of, a bunch of stock in uh, his own company. Um, hope he's having a speedy recovery. So I don't know if we can, uh, we can count on that at this time, but uh, you, you do have some historical reference there with that 2734 low, close to that $26 level, uh, now trading above 32. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about an, an, another non-safe haven and something that we talked about quite a bit. Um, Bitcoin's not going to rally under these circumstances. I don't know what prospects there are from it, if it was a, a safe haven or whatnot. You have Bitcoin futures uh, trading down $1,340 yeah. here, down over 8000 So hard and short unless you're, you're trading the highly, uh, highly marginable and highly leveraged. Also, folks... Uh, you know, check your margins um, as far as, you know, your intraday margins and your day margins. I got, um, I got a couple notifications on my uh, platforms of increasing the margins. So, and uh, once again, in these kind of circumstances is you're, if you're out there and you're new, you know, usually a thousand lot trader, uh, maybe a thousand lots, a uh, thousand shares is not the best way to trade, uh, trade, you know, smaller. You can certainly make the same amount of money. Um, in this kind of market with this kind of volatility, uh, you know, trading smaller size and then, uh, feet yeah. If yeah. you've been trading and only started in the last nine or nine years, you haven't seen markets like this before. So get your feet wet. I mean, the VIX is soaring up. Well, we don't know where it's going to be today, but because it's not open yet, but we know it's going to be soaring over 50 probably. 
So TVIX is up, you know, 80%. So it's going to be up significantly here this morning, the VIX, once we once it actually opens at 930. This, you got to get your feet wet and learn how to trade in these markets. I, you know, traders, you know, like me, I do any efficiencies. This is a good market to trade in, you know, and I've been doing lots of trading here today. I mean, I've been up since 4 a.m. doing lots of trading, taking off, you know, putting on different things, swinging stuff around. And, you know, the main thing I'm just doing is looking at different opportunities. I mean, like this morning, you know, I was able to buy Kraft Heinz a significantly below where the SPY was trading. And I was like, well, I don't think Kraft Heinz is going to open down as much as the SPY. So, you know, they're throwing out everything. I mean, you, know, you can look at a lot of stocks or everything's going to look like it's going to open down. I mean, when I look at my up filter sure. and I see Virtue Financial in it, it's pretty much the only, the coronavirus stocks and Virtue Financial is really what I see in my up filter. So, I mean, you're going to have a lot of stocks and Virtue, obviously, high frequency trading firm is going to benefit from this. But you have a lot of stocks opening down, but not all stocks are going to open down 7%. You're going to get some stocks that aren't going to open down that much, maybe a little defensive nature to them. Um, also, we were talking about uh, gold, uh, which, you know, acts as a safe haven. But then, I mean, you did get a pop over 1700 a level you haven't seen in seven years. You hit 1704.30 and then had one big seller coming in overnight, gold stocks in the red too. I mean, it's a good hedge, but, you know, it just, you know, when as far as the gold stocks go, when they hit stocks, they're more they stock stocks. than gold, uh, you know, in that kind of uh, in that kind of circumstance. But uh, you do have the gold futures still trading in the green by a buck fifty at uh, sixteen seventy three ninety. Uh, silver going the opposite direction today. Uh, boy, there there's a divergence there, Dennis. You got uh, gold up point one percent. You have silver down point two five four percent. Uh, so boy, some arbs are taking some uh, some depth. So silver has been relatively weak. I own oh, some silver in my long term portfolio. It hasn't been good. I mean, gold's not really gold's been okay in this, but <clears throat> it hasn't been the defensive nature that you'd hope it'd be. I mean, really, when this thing started, yes, gold, but really, you know, it's it's not up much if it's up at all. I, mean, I guess we're we're up near the highs, but silver hasn't been good at all. So silver hasn't been a nice hedge. Usually your metals, they're, they're fleeing to something, yeah. but they're just selling stuff across the board and buying bonds. So, and they're selling even gold. And like you said, Bitcoin, I mean, if Bitcoin can't rally in this environment, like I'm actually, actually very surprised because I said when this COVID thing was starting, I was like, Bitcoin's probably a buy. I mean, you got to think that, you know, alternative asset, maybe there's people who want to, you know, not have their money in fiat here and they're going to go over there. And that didn't happen. I'm extremely surprised. It, it, uh, I'm surprised too. It didn't happen. So if it's not rallying in this environment, what's going to make it rally? Isn't this the scenario? Like, like isn't, yes. isn't this, this the is what the scenario? Yeah. Like, like, like this is the dream, right? For everyone yeah. who's been pounding the table on Bitcoin and, and being the future of cryptocurrency. Absolutely. Uh, this is the dream, right? Um, I mean, the, the dream scenario for them and yeah. it's not responding. That's a problem. Yeah, so I'm totally, I'm totally baffled here. Totally baffled. I do not. I, I am somewhat too, and I've never, you know, if you've listened to the show for forever, I've never been a Bitcoin lover. But I said on this show when COVID was starting, and I was selling all my stocks, I was like, the Bitcoin. I said, I don't, I'm not a cryptocurrency, so I said I'm not buying it or anything. But I would think it would rally if we really get ugly with the COVID stuff. We did get ugly with the COVID stuff, but Bitcoin sold off. That's a problem for you hodlers. I'd be scared if I was a hodler. 
Older. Uh, also, well, I mentioned it on Friday, and it, it was just kind of tongue-in-cheek about the utilities. And, you know, the I guess the coronavirus is not going to be attacking the grid, but uh, if you don't have uh, if you don't have electricity, it would be hard to... Uh, well, I mean, we, we joked about that on Friday, didn't we? I, I mean, know. yeah, when the power grid goes out and fails in the zombie apocalypse, that cryptocurrency is not going to... You can't even use it for toilet paper at that point in time. At least <laughs> the, the currency is worthless. At least you can use fiat to wipe your butt. <laughs> but anyways, we're not going to that guy. It, it's not going to you know, implode and everything. It's the power grid's not... We're not getting to that extreme. What you're seeing here is pricing in of unknown risk because the biggest unknown risk is how many people are going to die from this. We know people are going to die. How many is it? And then the second thing is now, is it is scary enough that, you know, we have a confidence issue and people are going to be scared to leave their homes. The economy is going to suffer. And does that in turn eventually start to hit the banks as well? If you're not confident to leave your homes. Maybe you're not confident to leave your money in your bank. And that's all that it takes. So obviously you don't want to see that happen, but you could, I can see a scenario where there could be a confidence lost in a lot of things here and that could hit the banks as well. So it's very, very scary and all to takes, be all fully takes invested a bit. All it takes is a little bit, like a little bit of a dip in that confidence level. Just That's a, it. There's a little bit of a question mark. That's all it takes. So. You're exactly right. That's all it, that's, well, and the housing bubble t- then imploded after that. Right. But, you know, if we go right. back to the financial crisis, it was, the catalyst was the housing bubble. Right. Is the catalyst the virus this time? Like, I mean, I, I'm going to say it. The financial crisis part two is on the table here. Not saying it's going to happen, but saying it could happen. So you got to be careful. Banks are ground zero for that stuff. All right. So uh, if I could play the other side here for a second. Please. Uh, why wouldn't you want to come in and buy today? I mean, like, like let's say, you know, I, I've been told for the last few years to buy the dip. That I've been told that that works. It, it always works, right? So why wouldn't I come in and buy That's the dip? That's what people say it always works. And right. It, so why? it works well until you get into markets like 2007 and 2008. And 2020, I guess. Uh, if you're 100% cash right now and you don't need the money for the next decade, maybe you start nibbling here. Maybe you do. I'm, I, my personal portfolio is I am 70% cash now. That is the most cash that I've had in my long-term portfolio maybe ever. I don't even know if I was 70% cash during the financial crisis. Maybe at some point in time I became 70% cash because whatever stocks I had were going down and my cash wasn't going down. But when, I, when it started, I was not 70% cash in the financial crisis. I did the analysis there Thursday night, and I was shocked that I knew I had sold a lot of stuff, but I was shocked that I was 70% cash. So I'm actually a little uncomfortable being that much cash. And then I have a hedge on top of it. I've got spy puts. So I'm probably getting to the point where I'm going to lift the spy puts pretty soon. I'm going to sell those. Is it, is it, possible, is it, is it possible we had the uh, financial crisis low and a cash at uh, 666.79, and we had that all-time high at 33.93.52. I mean, could you see a 50% retracement? Where would that take us? 2030. Possible for sure. That's a great point, Joel. I mean, I don't. Nothing's for sure, but that's possible. If it gets ugly, that's possible. So you're you're right now trying to catch the falling knife. And like I said, if you're 100% cash, maybe start nibbling here. Maybe you start nibbling. I, like I said, I might lift my puts. I might sell my puts today 
just because well, don't I'm do the whole too much thing. cash. Don't do the whole thing. I mean, well, don't... yeah, but I'm still 70% cash. It's still loaded up with cash. Like I would like to buy, there's some good stocks out there. Don't kid yourself. There's some good deals out there right now. Let's talk about some potential good deals. Let's, we've been talking and, and, about and, this. And, yeah, and, and that's a good idea. That's what, that's what you should be doing right now even if you don't want to buy or stocks are short you should getting a list right. at least right that, that's that's what, what about about, like qualcomm that's what i was about to say you you should be making a list right now of you're making the- a list checking it twice gonna find right. out which stocks are naughty and nice okay well most of them are not i've already started a list here i have three stocks on my list that i started last week one was qualcomm that i want to eventually get back i sold qualcomm at 85 dollars it's now below where I sold it. I want to get the stock back. It's $72 here this morning. 5G thing's still happening. The valuation is not crazy. I mean, when you look at companies right now, you want to look at ones that don't have much debt too. So think about yes. that. Because in the financial crisis, companies that didn't have debt performed way better. So if you're looking at a lot of your tech companies are debt-free. Some of them aren't, but a lot of them are. So you want to think about those types of companies. I believe Qualcomm, I'd have to go look, and maybe it does have debt, so I should maybe dig a little bit further. But I do like the whole slots of 5G here eventually. You know, that's going, maybe it's off, Maybe it's not a concern to this markets here now, but if that was to get into the low 60s, what about it's a good oh, buy. You don't think like 50? You don't think you're going to see that at 50? If it gets down to 50, I will buy that stock at 50. If Qualcomm goes down to $51, I will buy that stock back at $51. Because I've already played it twice from that level. I would love to get it back at 50. I'm not sure the market's going to take it there. Like, that's a lot. That's 20 more points down. I mean, you're going to have to see that 2,000 number you're talking about on S&P to see Qualcomm at 50, unless it comes out with its own bad news. So that was one stock I had on my list. You know what? Here's one. I mean, and I'm, I'm, this is, uh, if there's any not giving investment advice and you're on your own here, but you did have a move from uh, 49.10 up to 94.11. So, no, actually 96.17. I'm off. So the 50% is right here right now um, in, in Qualcomm of that big move since early 2019. So just, you know, it's a level to mark down. It's, uh, I'll give you the exact number here. We did, I, I didn't see that 96 did we get to 96? Yeah, we got to 96.17, and we minus 49.10 divided by 2 plus. I can't do air math. Air math. It's 72.64. There it is. 72 and a quarter. If that was your target, I mean, I'm sure you can keep you it You got on. the 50% right now. You got the 50% right now. Of course, you got to take um, into account there's a reopen, right? And where yeah. you know, chances. No, but it's pricing. These stocks, don't even worry about reopening and don't even worry about that. They're pricing right now. 7220 to 7240. They're pricing in where we are right now for SPY. So we're open. We're fully open. Don't worry about the halt, the halt in the futures. We're open. I know you're a futures trader and you're a futures guy, but we're open. We're open for business. So I don't, you know, I, if you're living on Qualcomm here, I'm not going to yell at you for it. Again, <laughs> if you're fully margined, if you're fully margined, you haven't been listening to the show because we know we've been, we've been, you know, staying to get lighter, to get lighter for a long time. The second stock I had on my list was Gilead. I don't think it's going to, you know, maybe it pulls back today. It's trying to, it got downgraded, I believe, here today too. And the, the whole world got downgraded here today, guys. This yeah, is, I, I look this at is that. An, an, unbelievable how many analysts are coming in downgrading stocks now. Thanks, analysts. So, anyways, there's just a pile of downgrades. Gilead is on the list too. They got downgraded, I believe, today as well. I saw it. Um, yeah, RBC takes it down from its top pick to still an outperform. So, whatever the hell that means. But I'll tell you, Gilead down in the low 70s. I like it. And what, about, it, what was it? One, it's it's not expensive. Two, it's got the corona. I think this. I think they're going to be one of the leaders to get this vaccine. 
and it will be a coronavirus play because of that. So you could see this one, you know, pop up significantly just as the coronavirus play. So I like the pullback in Gilead here today. I wanted to get it down in the low 70s. I did not get it. And it blasted off here. Maybe you get it at 75 here today and you pull the trigger. Um, but there's the upside that this could actually go up in a down market just because of the COVID part. Uh, part of it um and uh i got a couple on my list but what do you got we got a break nope we got a we got a guest coming right up. okay so, we'll save that we'll save it for afterwards i, I want to bring on our guest right now uh joe prococo he is the co-founder and co-ceo of titan invest joe uh good morning good morning thanks for having me on can you hear me uh yeah we hear you so uh joe uh very interesting time to have you on titan if those who don't know is a robo advisor that that uh, trades invest like a hedge fund exactly so can you can you explain exactly how uh a market environment like this could could potentially impact your your strategies yeah uh counterintuitively we actually saw record client inflows uh last month uh which was also surprising for us in terms of our strategy the works in two ways. We have long a basket of 20 stocks. The way we get those stocks is it's, it's sort of think about it as the hedge fund all-star team. And then we have a personalized short. So we go ahead and short the S&P 500 via an inverse ETF based upon a client's risk exposure. So it's sort of similar to what Bill Ackman is doing right now. He's long his basket at Pershing, but then he just went ahead and shorted the market to reduce net exposure. So hopefully you can get alpha in a situation like this. Right. So the idea of behind a lot of hedge funds is, is obviously they, uh, they hedge and they outperform in times of extreme volatility and market weakness. Is that, is that the idea of Titan? Yeah, the goal is to most investors usually are just long only. So the goal is, especially in a market environment that's pretty crazy, like what we're seeing, that you can stay invested and still feel good that you can make profits when the market goes down and sort of hedge against some of the alpha that you hope to generate. But, but how often are you, are you making trades? Because I would imagine, uh, you know, when you wake up and you see some of your stocks down 10, 20% in your portfolio, maybe you want to lighten up. I'm not sure. So like, how often are you? Are you uh, yeah, great question. Uh, we're long-term investors. So usually the book, uh, usually the book changes one to two names once a quarter. So it's very long-term yeah. investing. We don't day trade. Um, if anything, we're seeing all the recent, all the recent coronavirus stuff, everything related to oil today, it's bringing an opportunity to buy in our opinion. We think, you know, as long, I think most of our clients are long-term buyers of equities. So if anything, you're looking for lower prices in the near term. But like, you know, <laughs> buying on the way down is, is very difficult. So like, I mean, how do you, how do you approach a market like this when, when, when there is so much fear, right? And buying is hard. Yeah, so the way, so what Buffett's doing behind the scenes right now is he has, his, he has his portfolio and he has his eye on a bunch of different stocks. And what you do is you basically create what's called an internal rate of return for every stock you might want to look at. Um, so think simply like a lemonade stand. If you were to go buy a lemonade stand, you could quickly model and say, okay, I think I'm going to make this amount of money in the coming year. And the price that's being sold to me is out X. So I think that's a reasonable return. So what most investors are doing similar to that lemonade stand dynamic is they say, hey, Facebook right now is at probably a 25 to 30% IRR at this price. I don't know if it's going to go down further. That price is enticing, but if it goes anywhere close to 35% IRR, I'm buying. I don't care if it goes down further. That price for Facebook, for Google, for Amazon is unbelievable. So most investors, if you think about the long term, 
are less trying to forecast the near term future. And they just basically say, is the price that I'm being offered Facebook in today's market as juicy as it could possibly get before I want to add? So we were just talking before you came on about our, you know, our shopping list. And now is the time to make a shopping list. Maybe don't go to the store now, but definitely make a list. So yeah. who's on your list? Um, I would have to, I would have to state a variety of the things that we own here at Titan. A lot of the high quality names that I think we're all familiar with. So Facebook, it's a, you know, it has a monopoly on the social graph. Uh, it has nearly 2 billion users. Um, the coronavirus, if anything, isn't going to affect how much people use our digital ecosystem, uh, charter communications. It's the toll road to the internet. Everyone needs to use the internet more and more. Um, Google, Monopoly on search, you just keep going. So our core thesis is that we like things that are essentially gatekeepers or there's an old investing adage that we cite, which is in a gold rush, sell the shovel. So most of our businesses that we own are shovels supplying other gold rushes in a certain way. Uh, one question from me uh, regarding the Facebook. I mean, they do get a lot of a good share of their revenue from advertising. Almost all. So, of it. Yeah. So yeah. you know, under the current situation, I mean, if companies are going to be cutting back, not selling as much, don't you think that uh, you know the advertising revenue is going to be something to get hits first? Get hit first. Yeah, my comments were less about the near term. I definitely think news gets worse in the near term. Uh, we told our clients last week to expect a double dip. So when the market was up like four and a half percent, five percent, we said this isn't the recovery rally. Expect another dip. Things are going to get worse, predominantly because Western democracies can't as aggressively quarantine as much as the Chinese can. So it should get worse. Um, and so in terms of Facebook short term, absolutely, they, they'll probably have a brutal quarter to come in our view. Um, in terms of the long term, um, the, the prominence that Facebook has in terms of taking your dollars and enabling it to get in front of users, no one else has that other than Google, maybe Amazon. So in terms of a long term play, um, if you're willing to overlook just the short term earnings hit, it, it's still a wonderful business. Like nothing's changed uh, about this quality. So Joe, will you keep buying here like all the way down as, as, as the strategy, as that's how the strategy goes or, or will you stop here and, and wait or, or how will you approach this? Yeah, I think we have, so Howard Marks who runs Oak Tree, he came out with a long, uh, long PDF memo over the weekend. Um, his view is one I subscribe with as well, which is a look, you can't forecast a bottom. Anyone who tries to probably is running a fraud. What you can do is just assess the price that the market's at. It's still slightly higher than post-World War II averages. So it's not totally the bottom from here. So you should start incrementally buying. Um, so that way you don't miss any of the rally if you wanted to, but you still have room to size up. So that's how at least we're telling our clients, incrementally buy. Um, and then from there, just have a long-term perspective because it could suck for the coming weeks. Uh, do you do any like sector, you know, um, diversification or, you know, I mean, because obviously different sectors are going to be hit harder. Do you treat, you know, different sectors like technology? Like you have to think, you know, technology companies have, you know, less, maybe less uh, cumbersome than some of these other ones. Like, yeah, it's a good observation because I think what you're seeing as am I is just it's sort of everything is indiscriminately falling. No one's saying, all right, this one should fall more because it's more exposed to coronavirus and this one's exposed less. Um, in terms of our strategy, we have a sector agnostic approach. Um, 
But yeah, so interesting to see what the market thinks is going to be affected long term by the coronavirus versus what actually gets affected. What are the advantages of of a robo in a in an environment like this? This is the first real test we've had since robo-advising really kind of became a thing in the last decade or so. So what are the advantages of a, of a robo-advisor in a period of extreme, extreme volatility? Yeah, we think um, that's when the advisor part of the word matters most. Um, most retail investors who trade, or usually they have a portion of their capital, they trade some of it, they have some of it in a long-term account, some of it maybe they inherited from someone else. Um, and usually what we've seen is that retail investors are very bad at trading their own money. They usually do the exact opposite. They sell on the dips and they're buying as things go up. Um, so it's now more than ever that the advisor part of the robo advisor term is where all the other robo advisors need to sort of buckle up and do their job. Um, so we take that extremely seriously. We're telling, talking to our clients every day, telling them what's going on. So I would hope that other robo advisors are doing the same. Because if not, they're just becoming a de facto ETF, and we know how people trade ETFs. And, and like, what is the sentiment like right now from your clients? Are they are they fearful? Are they matter of fact? I think a lot of folks are just uncertain, um, and in particular, physically uncertain. In addition, to financially uncertain. There's a lot of news. How many of us are going to get sick physically? What's right. going to happen? Are we going to be able to go to work? And so I think that natural uncertainty is also kind of going over into how they manage their money. Um, and so what we're trying to do is just make sure that we have a really calming voice. We're explaining things from the long term. Um, and thus far, it seems to have been working. We had record inflows last month, and I think that's pretty rare in the industry right now. Um, so hopefully we can just be an example for how important the advisory relationship is during times like these. All right, Joe Prococo is the co-founder and co-CEO of Titan. Joe, thanks for the time today. And, of course, uh, thanks for having me, Dennis and Joel. Appreciate right, it. Hey, thank you. All Great right. conversation. All right, we were talking about a shopping list. Joe, I don't, I don't Joe need has to give his. an S&P. Uh, I don't need to give an S&P. You threw Facebook yeah. out there. I own Facebook still, so I did not sell my Facebook, and actually I'm down in it now because I bought it at 170. Well, it's not exactly true. I played it a couple of times, but my average price is now 175 because I, I played it from 130 up to like 200, but somehow... I don't know. I rebought in there. So my average, my cost base is like 175 on it or something, but I did sell more stock up at 200, but I still have a chunk of my Facebook. So I don't mind Facebook here. I mean, you're starting to get, you do your shopping list, buy stocks that don't have debt and look fairly cheap. And I mean, you might be, you know, happy. You'd probably be happy in 10, five to 10 years from now, but you know, and you, maybe you'll be happy five to 10 hours from now. If it bounces, I mean, eventually you will get a bounce here again. So there will be tradable bounces you know, continuously in this markets, but have your shopping list and if yeah, you I mean, want to cash thousand nibble. Point, how many thousand point rallies did we have last week? We had lots of lots of them. There was lots of opportunities yeah, to trade. Yeah. There's one one right at the end of the day almost. Yeah, on Friday. Yeah. yeah again, they ripped it up. Yep. Yeah. So um and it's funny, I was kind of ton in cheek on Friday. I'm like, well, this uh you know, the SP's closed at uh, twenty nine fifty one last Friday, twenty nine sixty four. What I miss, you know, all that volatility and I uh, had the closing prices. Um there's uh, a couple things here. One, um, I don't know how much you're going for the trend here in diagnostic companies. Um, I see LH. Uh, that stock is hold up. It's trading up a buck twenty-seven here. So they're working on you know diagnostic tests now. You know that could be like a short-term play and kind of going on the bandwagon. Yep. 
Uh, but for, like Gilead was. Yeah, but for me, and I've been looking to go into this uh, to diversify um, for a long time out of the U.S. markets, and now's a good time. I got a lot of cash, and so for me, I'm just keeping an eye uh, overall on the FXI. Um, you know, China has had this index here overall. Uh, $38 has just been one hell of a level. It's been holding that. So I don't think I, you know, it's trading at $38.50 now. So I don't think I'm going to super freak out until it takes out $38. Um, and then along those lines, I was I mean, China at- has been cheap for a long time, really. Yeah. Yep. So, and if you think China, they're handled, like if you think they're coming back on the grid, they seem to be, there's, a, there's an argument here that China's actually you know, looking like they might be past this thing, or at least, you know, ahead of us. Like where we're just kind of in the early innings here, where it's still just starting China's, to spread. China's way ahead. China's two months ahead of us. Yeah. So there's an argument there. That's why probably China has held up so much better. I mean, you can't argue with that. China's held up very well. So they, yeah. this is where it all started. Yep. But the China ETFs are not down as much as our ETFs. Right. I mean, they didn't have the ridiculous rally in the last month of, or, you know. The no, month. they were they were going down still a while. Right. So right. there's some catch right. up there. Right. But also, they've held up well. Also, the U.S. has a bit freer markets when it comes to, you know, shorting and that sort of thing. Well, and there's probably some manipulation in there. We'll just we'll just say oh, the, the, the M word. If you catch my drift. <laughs> well, they they don't even deny it. I no. mean, oh, that's you're thing. not allowed to sell. Certain people aren't allowed to sell, and nobody's selling short. I mean, there's hey, no we it. are not down seven percent, Dennis. We are down six point seven eight. We're coming back, Joel. We're coming back. We're a rally. Um, rally I, time. I think, man. I I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna trade this thing. I think they gotta do it. I mean, they gotta be some kind of rally. I mean, if you if you've been uh, looking, guys, you talked to me a little bit. I don't know how many times I talked to you, but when I was talking to you in the evening, you were kind of eyeing that limit, you know, and you were thinking, ah, and I'm like, oh, the only problem with that, if you missed a risk reward ratio. Well, I know you were going to do it against your spiders, but on the reopen, you know, so if you, yeah. took, if you were doing that against your spiders. It worked once. I, I was thinking like you could did. play against the five, the five yeah. limit down, and then it bounced off at once, but then you locked down I, and. Now you're looking at a 1.7% loss. Sorry, futures buyers. You're right now down 1.7% because that's where she'd open if she opened right now. Show the, uh, I don't know, show the 15-minute chart here on the ad ES here because, like, the only time I was, uh, Dennis, I talked to you about 4.15, 4.30, and then you said you were going to catch some sleep. And then right after you went to sleep, I saw this. It came off the limit, and it actually went, it went to 23.50. And I'm like, huh. Is this is this it? And anyway, before I could even think about it, it was locked back locked back down at nineteen. Um, so I we did know. get off the limit in the middle uh, early. Right, in the right, right after too. I thought, yeah, yeah, right. At, uh, well, one time we did that at twenty three thirty, and then what was the other time? I was, I was, yeah. And then also, just, it was five thirty when I talked to you. We came up to twenty three and a quarter. So, if you want a resistance point after the. Uh, after the reopen, uh, I will give twenty eight, twenty three and a quarter. Um, after the reopen. After the reopen. If we reopen. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, I, I think there's just too much money in the game just to keep this thing locked down limit. But who knows? That's just purely uh, conjecture and speculation. Well, again, it's going to be it's down seven then. So your lockdown limit will be down 7%. So we'll see. Yep. I, yep. I, I honestly think we're going to have some of the Fed say something today. I honestly would be a little bit cautious with my shorts here. I'm hedged right now uh, other than owning the spy puts, but my overall trading portfolio came in short today. 
I am now pretty much hedged. I'm still short a little. I'm short some preferred stocks and stuff because, like I said, those things need to play catch up in my opinion, and they are today. I was short PFF coming in. I've covered that though. Like the preferred, like a PFF down 4.29 percent. All right, now it's starting to get a little. This thing, you know, didn't move 4.29 percent in the last year, and it's down that one day. So, <laughs> you know, so obviously that that's paying me a little bit there the, from the preferreds. We didn't get down to these prices until 2019. We were in the 34 handle or early or early 2019. So yeah, also, there's opportunities yeah, there in is some good, stocks yeah. here. But again, I don't think you go all in here. Like Trump, and obviously, was it, was it Eric Trump that said he was going all in? Who was it that said yeah, that on yes. Twitter? Well, he, he said he would. He yeah, if I was trading would. stocks, I'd go all in here. And that was when we were about 3,000. So he's lucky he's not a stock trader. I, I, I'm, <laughs> inter- I'm interested in, in stocks that are getting upgraded this morning. Cause like, who yeah, yeah. Who's stock? upgrading what? Who's yeah. upgrading stuff? Okay. What do you got? I'll tell you, Argus is upgrading Clorox to buy. That's kind of, is that a coronavirus? They're thinking a coronavirus play here? Is that what they're doing? They're laughing at the news <laughs> desk, but that's a real thing that's happening. So that's, I guess they think that's the coronavirus play. I'll tell you, there's a lot of better coronavirus plays than that. <laughs> uh, a couple of oil stocks are getting upgraded as well. American Express upgraded this morning. Uh, Logitech is upgraded this morning. Cars.com upgraded this morning. Uh, and then I, I'm, I'm not sure I get the Philips 66 upgrade or the ConocoPhillips upgrade or the Devon Energy upgrade, but uh, that's... It, it's funny up- when you see stocks that are upgraded like ConocoPhillips and it's down 24%. Does that mean they're upgrading it to... $45.33 when they came out or are they saying now that it's $34.21? <laughs> Obviously that report probably came out before maybe this happened, but ConocoPhillips is down 24% here this morning. So it's upgraded, but it doesn't matter. That's an incredible right, wait, move. Wait, 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 here's one. DHT, right? Okay. DHT Holdings is a tanker company, I guess. Yeah. Upgraded and they're up this morning. They're up 35 cents. Yes, they are. You found one that was up. Yeah. Yeah. Can we go back to these oil stocks? Because we didn't really dive into the individual oh, stocks. And they are just, you know, we, we did OXY and that was it. But it's across the board. I mean, ExxonMobil. 40 bucks. It's 40 bucks. I'll pat myself on the back for getting out of that at 90 because I had this in my long term retirement account. And at one time I said, oh, I'm just holding on to Exxon forever. And then I started to hate on oil and I said, I don't want to any, own any oil stocks. And I believe I sold this around 90 a couple of years ago. I've never rebought it. And I don't plan to rebuy it just because I do not like oil stocks for all the reasons that I've said on this show for the last you know, two years is that I think it's just dirty energy yep. and the, the, the trend <laughs> yeah. is not your friend. Oh, wow. At a certain point, there's going to be a bounce here. I, yeah, mean, between- I came in short. I was short Exxon Mobil overnight. I covered it. I think this trade in the 39 handle, like I was 4 a.m. I believe I covered this under $40 this morning. You because you were, you were looking at your monthly charts and you- It was around 40. That. Let me go see where I covered it. I'm going okay. to look. Because uh, 4 a.m. I was pretty early. I covered it. Let's look. Exxon Mobil, 40.01 and 40.51. Do you wake up right away and just start hitting buttons? Or like, do you have a cup of coffee? No, I just started hitting. I, I've also I hope you don't hit the wrong button. I, I've also I I've also wondered I got, how we does that. I would like I don't know. I I, think, you get the you got to put the glasses on for one thing because you got to make sure you're hitting the right <laughs> bed. <laughs> and then you're, I'm not as fast as I once was, but Exxon Mobil was down 16 percent, and it's one of you know obviously uh, I was short it coming in, and I'm like okay, it's time to book that profit. I mean, it, it, 
there's certain stocks sometimes you just you know it's, it's it was seventy dollars i mean let's put this in perspective Exxon Mobil was 70 bucks here at the beginning of the year. So we're three months and now we're 40. I mean, if you're short these things, if you're short all these oil stocks, maybe there's more meat on the bone, but it might be time now to start thinking about starting to partial. Off. There's also like, it, 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 we also talk about this, you know, trading partial positions too. Yeah. Take a piece you off know, if you're short 500 or, you know, maybe whatever. You I will just say uh, back in January through, um, May of 2004, all your monthly lows were between 39.91 and 41.59. So throw it up in the air, call it 40 bucks. Uh, the next monthly low after that is 36.22. And if they hit 36.22 today, I will be hiding under my desk. So, uh, I mean, if you believe that oil is not completely going off the grid, some of these oil companies are going to survive. Exxon, Chevron, Conoco have always been three of the best ones. These things are as cheap as they've been in years. So if you want exposure, I don't. I'm not buying them here. I don't want exposure. But how about man, that trade too? People pile. I mean, how many guests did we have on the show at the beginning of year that said this was the hot sector? I'm not calling anybody out individually, but That's holy bad. mackerel! We, we not, it wasn't us. I've hated oil. I got this one right. We get some right, we get some wrong. I've been bearish oil for a long time. I'm just gonna still stay bearish oil. Completely underweight in it. I said the only oil stocks that I own. I don't know. Indirect ones. through some Canadian ETFs. That's it. I don't want much exposure to oil. It's been awful, and that's been a good call by me because I didn't lose a lot of money in oil stocks. I had at one time I had lots of oil stocks. I just am not a believer that this is the future anymore. I think you're going, you know, that I've always said the electrification of cars is not good for oil companies. Yeah. Also, I mean, I don't know what to tell you if you if you're trading or short these uh, Caribbean uh, these cruise line stocks and airline stocks and entertainment stocks down 10 more percent yeah yep i'm wow. just mad at myself that i didn't buy puts on these things when we knew you know after the diamond princess debacle that there was probably going to be some type of you know risk off trade on here and it's coming now that you have dividends 8.26 percent i'm not buying carnival for the same reason i said last week is that i just don't know if there's i, I think there's major class action suits coming at them i haven't analyzed their balance sheet but I think there's a distinct possibility here that they're going to shut cruise lines down. I would not be surprised the government comes, the, the, I don't know how you do that, but if they come in and they start like saying, we need to shut the cruise lines down for a while here, because now you got three cruises. This is just, you know, a really bad spot for COVID to obviously spread very, very rapidly. Well, and, and the CDC said, basically the CDC advised people to, to not, go on cruise ships that's not going on cruise ships i mean who's fucking a cruise right now they said don't travel via a cruise ship and i was looking i I was looking at cruises last night just for fun and you could get 75 70 percent off right uh sure your cruise right now if you wanted to go so i'm scared to go not that i would advise it but you if you're a bargain hunter this is a bargain uh also when you mentioned is boeing this morning which no one's talking about um they they found more issues with oh, the, yeah. with the 737 oh, Max. They found issues with the electrical wiring. So uh, that's getting delayed more. And I mean that's just on top of all. The, and they make airplanes, and the airplane right. stocks are all not flying. Of, like yeah. <laughs> so, like there's less flights right now. Again, this is ground zero for COVID. 
airline stocks, travel stocks, cruise lines. The only stock that I do want to buy, which is on my list, is Disney eventually. I think they're going to close the parks, though, so I'm not buying it until I, you know, maybe it's going to be like a buy on What about that gap fill? How long have we been waiting for that? Is it's that- uh, under 100 bucks, Disney is cheap. But again, there's a lot of unknowns here. If they close those parks, it could get cheaper. So I'm not going to try to catch the falling knife. I think I'm going to get it under 100 bucks, though. I might nibble on some Disney under 100 just because I love the company. But again, these are tough stocks to buy right now because who's wanting to go to Disney World if this thing starts spreading. That's not going to be a place that everybody's going to want to go to. It's so tricky right now. But have your list. Nibble on your list. The other stock I had on my list was Bluebird Bio, too. B-L-U-E. I've always wanted Bluebird Bio in there. I always thought it was a takeout candidate. I still think it is. It's $64.50 here this morning. Um, You can't look at it from a valuation perspective because they're not making money, but they got a lot of drugs in the pipeline there. Um, it's, it's one that I've eyed on for a while. So it was $180, $160 beginning in 2019. It's been in the doghouse. It's on my list. I have not pulled the trigger on this one yet either, but it is on my list. So the stock's on my list right now. Qualcomm, Gilead, Bluebird, Bio, and Disney. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think it's going to get bigger, the list. Yeah. But, uh, you know, buying some, I think your takeouts are going to, you know, kind of, uh, right now, maybe uh, not the time. Take, yeah. Takeouts. Um, also like the IPO market, uh, might be drying up for a little bit. And I think that's, you know, the investment banks look at Morgan Stanley. When did they do, when did they buy E-Trade? I uh, mean, yeah. That's scary 54, holy Toledo. But, um, I don't know. We try to give you guys some good information today. Try to, Morgan Stanley is trading at 36 bucks this morning. The banks are cheap. If we don't go into financial crisis part two, these things are steals. But I'm scared about the potential financial crisis part two. That's why I'm not buying the banks here yet. But they're cheap. Uh, your Bluebird Bio thing made me remember that. Uh, don't forget the bio. That Biogen is is in, in the middle of its study for. Uh, <sighs> aducanumab for their, their Alzheimer's drugs. So they're, they're mid-study right now on that. Uh, keep that on the back of your radar, the back of your mind, or on your radar if you're uh, looking for potentially good news here. That, that is one catalyst that is on uh, my radar for the next few months. On here. Biogen. When, are we, when do we think we're due for that? Well, they're, 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 mid, they're mid-trial. Actually, no. I think they're at the beginning of the trial uh, right now. So uh, it's supposed to start. What's in- the Twitter news? Uh, boom! Big investment. I just saw it on my timeline. Uh, I, I was gonna say Twitter is on my list too, and and, and actually, uh, <laughs> and now it has news. I was thinking I was about Twitter at thirty bucks. If it got down to thirty, I'd be interested. But now it's up to thirty-two. It just popped. So yeah, it was. Um, well, they reached a deal with Elliot. Yeah, but we knew that. That was already news. So they're they're ripping that again on that news. We knew Elliot's involved. Roberto will. No, 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 no. They reached a deal. With Elliot, Elliot wants to uh, replace Jack Dorsey as a CEO, and not, they nominated a bunch of people for the board. They reached a deal with with uh, Elliot Management now, so Jack Dorsey is still the CEO. So Jack so, Dorsey is still going to be CEO. Yeah, we knew their Elliot Management was involved. Now they 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 reached a deal. So I okay. like Twitter twenty eight to thirty. I think you might get a shot at it yet down there. So it's another one I like. I do like some stocks here. Yeah. All right. I'm starting uh, to think about starting to nibble, but again, I think you're, I, I don't think you want to go all in here yet. Cause I think there could still be substantial downside. All right. <laughs> if you missed any part of the show, Nibbles. 
Catch our podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, or rewatch the show on YouTube for a fr- uh, discount to Benzinga Pro. It's our real-time news terminal. Click on the link in the description of the video on YouTube. Thanks to our guest, Joe Pekerko, and everyone in our chats. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your Monday. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.